This morning on Life on Purpose podcast, we are welcoming the author of The Rescued Letters, speaker and Bible teacher, Heather Dixon. Welcome, Heather. I'm so glad to have you today. Hey, thanks so much, Amy, and thanks to all of you listening out there. I really appreciate you having me on your show today. We've had a few technical difficulties, but Heather's sticking with me. <laughs> Thank goodness, right, for kind and gracious people. But I want to talk to you a little bit about your background, and I want you to share that with your listeners. What led you to write the Rescued Letters and also um, your new creation with your Bible study called Renewed, Finding Hope When You Don't Like Your Story. So can you tell them a little bit about what led you to this journey and um, a little bit of the health struggles that you faced? Yeah, so a couple of years ago, I, over the fall of 2016, I had a slew of major medical events. I had a miscarriage, um, I had two aneurysms that resulted in a, a partial kidney infarction. Um, you should try telling your son, your eight-year-old son, that you've had a kidney infarction, and I promise you there will be laughter for days. Um, and then I had a carotid, uh, my carotid artery ruptured um, spontaneously. Um, and so, you know, my doctors were trying to figure out what was going on with all these crazy medical events over, this, over the course of two months. And, um, and they were looking at my medical history from the past where um, I, my colon had ruptured and I had, uh, my son was born early, I had preterm labor because my membranes ruptured, Lot, lots of rupturing things. And they said, you know, I think you have this connective tissue disorder. And by the way, we think that your mom had it also because your mom was, uh, my mom passed away when uh, she was 37 and I was 11. And it was this, it was 1988. So back then it was this, uh, you know, really mysterious illness. Um, and so we think this is what she had and we think you inherited it from her. We want you to come in and get tested uh, with our genetics department. And so I did. Um, and the results came back positive. And yes, they said, you have this disease um, called uh, called vascular Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and it's a genetic connective tissue disorder um, that makes blood vessels, arteries, and organs prone to spontaneous rupture. Um, and so that's why I've had, you know, all this fragility in, uh, you know, in my organs and in my blood vessels. And um, essentially, it is a collagen problem. Collagen is one of the most abundant proteins in the body. It works like glue to hold the body together. And my genetic code spits out collagen incorrectly. And so I just, my body's not very good at holding itself together. And so, you know, there's this threat for major medical events with this, uh, with this condition. And so, um, you know, so my husband, it was 2016, and my husband and I talked to the doctors. We said, great, what treatments do I do? What, you know, what medicines do I take? Um, it's, it's 2016. Let's, you know, medical advancements are, are fabulous. You know, how do we nip this in the bud? And my uh, geneticist looked at me uh, with his, I'll never forget the, the look in his eyes, very kind and very compassionate, but he said, I'm sorry, there is no cure or treatment for this. Um, it is, you know, it is genetic. And so there's nothing we can do for you. Um, your life expectancy is 28. And um, they said, but he said, what I can tell you is to prepare your bucket list and live your life well. So, uh, we came home and um, I had been teaching yoga part-time before that. And so I ended that ended, you know, my, uh, my job there. And so I'll never forget uh, talking to my grandmother. I love Jesus because of my grandmother. And she, I remember her sitting, you know, across the chair from her and she said, well, old girl, at least you can still write. <laughs> so I started writing and 
Yeah, yeah, she, you know, she's fabulous. She was fabulous. Um, I, I started writing, and so I, you know, I, I started a, a, an online ministry and uh, started with a blog, and I just started writing <laughs> what I knew and loved about the most, and that was Jesus and God's Word. Um, I taught Bible study for, um, you know, started teaching Bible study 20 years ago when my husband and I led a youth ministry, um, and so you know that was that was my heart. And I'm a total nerd, and the Bible is a nerd's paradise, and so I loved studying. I love teaching it. And so the, the online blog turned into um, three Bible studies and, and more coming on the way. And so um, the Bible study, you know, what I've been studying mostly over the past year is the book of Ruth, um, but from Naomi's perspective, because I, I don't like my story. And so, um, you know, maybe, but I don't think any of us like our, likes our stories right now because of COVID, but Naomi really resonated with me. I've always taught Ruth from Naomi's perspective because she didn't like her story, uh, but there's hope in, in your story. And so that's, that's what I wanted. I wanted to give my readers a safe place to explore, you know, stories that they don't like and also stories that they can't change. So, you know, we all walk through seasons of hardship that come and go and, you know, you may see resolution to them in your lifetime. But, you know, my diagnosis, there is, there will not be a resolution. And that's not to say that Jesus can't cure me completely. I know he can. Um, but for this moment and for the foreseeable future, he has chosen not to. Um, and, you know, and how, how do we live with those types of things, those types of stories that, you know, are just unchangeable? So that's, that's a little bit about, you know, uh, my Bible study on, on Ruth, finding hope when you don't like your story, because gracious, we all need hope in these days, don't we? Yes. Yes. And, you know, as a cancer survivor, it's interesting when you're talking about that because, you know, when you don't like your story, which when you hear a diagnosis, that is a common thing. And you especially don't like it when you can't change it. And so the difference between just getting any diagnosis, I, I believe, is hearing the word incurable as a follow up to that. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously I can only speak for myself, but I didn't have that as a follow-up. And so I would ask you when receiving that, how did your fears with this diagnosis drive you initially toward your purpose? Because, you know, like, what does that process look like for you? I know you said, you know, you and your husband went home and, but that, that has to be a process when you're sitting and waiting and hearing, you know, and I, I know I, I have sat in doctor's office and, and waited for my treatment plan. And there's something reassuring about that, even though, you know, nobody knows what the outcome is going to be. It's just having something to, to go on. And so when you don't get that, how did, how was that process for you in finding your purpose, weaving your way through that, navigating that? Yeah, that's a great question. And let me be completely upfront with you and your listeners and say that I did not find my purpose uh, quickly. Um, I mean, maybe quickly, I, I don't know. Um, I, the three months after my diagnosis were very dark. I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, I was depressed. I was, anxiety was, my anxiety was through the roof. I struggle with anxiety daily. Um, you, you don't have the threat of major medical events and not have anxiety as one of your BFFs. It just, they just go <laughs> hand in hand together. Um, and so, you know, those three months, I mean, Amy, it was hard to get out of bed. I mean, I, I just, it, it seems safer and easier to, to stay in bed. Um, I was fearful of moving my body because I was afraid with any movement. I mean, I, I had lived a very active life um, up until that point. And 
And I'm sure I had these mad bruises and I get injured easily, but I never thought anything of it. And now I knew the reason behind it. And so I was afraid of, of moving literally. And I'll never forget. I had a neighbor friend who I barely knew. Um, and you know, she had been, uh, I barely knew her at the time. She's a good friend now, but, um, she had been, you know, praying for us and she sent me a message and she said, I just need to tell you, um, God has laid this on my heart to send this to you and tell you, don't be afraid to move. And it floored me because I just, I had no idea. I hadn't hadn't told anyone. I mean, my husband, of course, knew what I was um, dealing with, the fears and the anxiety and the sadness. And I mean, there was a, it was a grieving process for sure of giving up the life that I had and trying to figure out, okay, what is my life now? You know, I mean, that was a, a, a clear line in the sand between before and after, and I had no idea what after looked like. And, um, and so Jessica, you know, messaged me and she said, just like, God, don't be afraid to move. You know, God is going to take care of you. And, and so I think from that point forward, um, you know, I, I, I started, I said, you know, Jesus, I, I, I don't have any courage for this. I need you to give me courage. And, you know, he's very faithful and, and doing that. And, you know, in a way that I, I can't even articulate it to you. I mean, it, 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 uh, I mean, it's just the way he works in our lives, but I, you know, I felt so, um, empowered, you know, by him and by his word. And, um, there was a particular passage in Deuteronomy 30 that he kept pulling me to. Um, and it's, you know, I mean, Moses is teaching, um, the, the Israelites and, um, you know, God is delivering this, this message down to them. And he's basically saying, okay, you have two choices. You can choose me or you can choose the world. Um, but what he says is, uh, you know, I've set before you, um, you know, blessings and curses, um, life and death. And he says, choose life. And mm. that, that passage just kept coming up in my quiet time and, and things that I would hear from, you know, pastor teaching and everything. It just, it just was soaking into, you know, my, my being during that time. Cause it was like, God just kept throwing it at me. <laughs> you know, he's like, this is where I need you to be Heather. Right. Um, choose life. And so I did. Um, I, you know, put two feet on the floor, uh, in the morning when I knew I didn't like my story, but I trusted God to take care of me. Um, and I just started baby steps, you know, baby steps of, um, you know, getting back and cooking for my family and, and managing, you know, the, the home, the home front. Um, and then, you know, from there figuring out, okay, there are a lot of things I cannot do anymore, but I can write. Mm -hmm. Um, I know God's word. I know it will encourage many. I can write and I can teach. So what does this look like? Um, and so, you know, it was in those baby steps where God just kept opening one door after the other in a ministry um, that have, you know, has landed me where I am today. But it was, you know, that process was long and it didn't, you know, when you're asking me about the process of it, it was, it was, you know, grief. And I think that's one of the things right. that, I, that I love so much about Naomi's story. She gets such a bad rap. I mean, when you hear Naomi, the first word you're going to think of is what? Bitter, Right. Every, like if you know Naomi's story in the Bible, you know, she's, you know, she's the one that says, call me Mara because God has made my life so bitter. Well, she's right. You know, I mean, right. what she's doing in that moment. I mean, so many, I think a lot of, I won't say so many, a lot of people will look at the way she responds to her circumstances and say, God is punishing me. Um, but I think if we can learn to extend grace to Naomi um, and 
her process of grief, then maybe we'll start to extend grace to ourselves. And I think that's a powerful thing that we need to remember. Because I think, especially for women, so often we move through these hard stories and we're expected to say, everything is fine. God is in control. Everything is fine. And we don't give ourselves the option to grieve and to process that. I love Mm -hmm. you called that a process because it is. It's, you know, you walk through something like that, whether it's a medical diagnosis or the death of a loved one or or, you know, maybe you've had to move across the country for a new job and you didn't want to, um, you know, there's so many things in our stories that, you know, are, are when we're carrying things that are unchangeable. We can't change anything about COVID right now. We are completely out of control, um, you know, and so I, I think that we, we miss the step of acknowledging, you know what, this is not cool. And it's okay to say that. And I think that what Naomi reminds us is that we, you know, we can, we can call, we can call God and say, look, I know you're in control. I know you are sovereign because she admits God's sovereignty, but this, I am bitter. I, this is not okay. Um, And I think that that is, you know, one of the things, you know, that, that we can do number one, when we have a story that we don't like, but number two, that Naomi's story teaches us and to remember that, I mean, even Jesus wept like you know when he heard that Lazarus was dying and he came and you know his friend Lazarus he wept over that even knowing that just a few minutes later he was going to heal him and raise him from the dead but he still wept Um, I think that that grief is it's a natural expression of all that is broken in this world and it's a cry for our need for the savior and I think when we skip over that, we miss humbling ourselves at his feet um, because we miss that opportunity to say, Jesus, this world is broken and we need you. Jesus, my heart is broken and I need you. Um, you know, we, we are a people who need Jesus. And when we skip over that grief step, then, uh, you know, then, then we miss that opportunity to connect with him intimately in that way. So we have permission to grieve. And I think it's important to give ourselves that in what in our process as we're walking through these stories. Yeah, no, I agree. I think if you miss that acknowledgement piece, then it kind of comes back to it. And I know a little bit um, just from my own personality, it's it's easier. It's not easier. You make it harder, but it feels more natural, I should say to want to navigate everything independently. But you have to acknowledge the feelings first. And it's okay to acknowledge them. Um, I think God expects you to acknowledge that this is hard. And, you know, and now what am I going to do with it? Obviously, you know, the goal is to trust him and move forward. But if you don't even acknowledge that, that piece in the beginning, then you're kind of, and I, I had a process like this where I kind of, kept spinning my wheels because I wouldn't really acknowledge it. I just thought that I could fix it. Mm -hmm. I was kind of taking him out of the equation. And I think the other important piece of acknowledging it is that's where you find the gratitude. So, you know, I know we're going to, you know, talking about gratitude this month when I air this. And I think part of finding hope, this is what I love about this Bible study renewed is you find the things that, you can be thankful for, like you said. So once you came out of, in baby steps, that grieving period, you even just making dinner for your family. Mm -hmm. Wow, I bet that felt differently than it did 
before that diagnosis, you know, just something small to cling to that, you know, okay, I can still do this. This is something to be grateful for. What seemed insignificant or almost a drag right? <laughs> at times before now is something to be thankful for. And I think that that's the beautiful thing of the study is not only just acknowledging it and, and saying, I don't like this, but what can we pull from it from here on out? You know, once you hear that and you do have to shift your perspective, what what can you pull from it? And that's kind of what I was going to ask you is, what do you want women to, after this Bible study, walk away with? What, what do you want them to gain in um, the gratitude piece or or just acknowledging? How, how would you encourage them to acknowledge their story, whether they like it or not? Yeah, so I, w- I would say, uh, number one, um, I, want, I want my readers to have a safe place to explore their hard story and to, and to like come to terms with whatever that is. Like I want them to have a safe place for that. Um, number two, I want them to start looking for God moving in their details. And this is, you know, a big part of the gratitude piece because, you know, when we read Naomi's story, um, you know, number one, it's set in really, really dark times. And I think that the contrast of, um, of dark versus light is, is, um, I mean, Ruth is, if you're a literary nerd or, you know, enjoy poetry, Ruth is so beautifully written from that perspective. And, um, and there are that, that moment motif, dark versus light, empty versus full, you know, plays out through much of Ruth, the book of Ruth. And so it's said in, you know, this, these really awful dark times. And here is this beautiful little perfect, gorgeous book um, in the middle of Judges, right at the end of Judges, when the world is just like literally going to hell in a handbasket. And um, there's this beautiful story. And so I think, you know, I want readers, my readers to start recognizing in those moments of, uh, of hard stories, there is a sweetness that comes that you probably would not have recognized it before. Um, I can tell you when I, when I think back on that process um, before that, you know, that I was just describing, sure, I remember the panic attacks. I remember the moments when I was paralyzed by fear. But what I remember the most is the sweetness of God. You know, those were the times when I was the closest to him and I felt so um, tangibly near to his presence Um, again in a way that I I can't articulate. But it's that contrast that, you know, if things are going fine and we're just walking through a normal day and things seem really comfortable, then I'm not always as aware of the little things that God is doing to make sure that I am okay. Um, But when you're in moments that are hard, you start to recognize, you know, these little moments of sweetness. It's, you know, prayers with my son. It's, you know, I I can remember sitting at Chick-fil-A with my husband. It was the first time we had gone out uh, to lunch after my diagnosis. And I, my left eye was all wonky and bloody still. And I was a mess, but I really wanted some Chick-fil-A fries. (laughs) So we we went to Chick-fil-A. It is that good. It is. It really (laughs) is that good. Um, But I remember sitting there and both of us just had tears streaming from our eyes, not knowing what the future would hold, but we but we had smiles. I'll never forget that moment. I mean, it was such beauty in our beautiful moment in our marriage of acknowledging like for better or worse, like we, this is it. Um, but it was such a sweet moment. And so, so yeah, so I want my readers to know, you know, I want women to know 
there can be beauty in the sweetness and those small things. Um, and then to start looking for God in your details, you know, and recognize we have the beauty of, like when we read the book of Ruth and anything in the Bible, we have the, the privilege of hindsight. And so we can look on Naomi's story, and in, especially in chapter two, just of all these things that, that God was doing on her behalf. Did she recognize it then? Maybe. You know, do we recognize it now? Maybe, maybe not, but just the truth that whether we can see it or not, God is always working in our details. And so that is what makes me grateful. Um, it's funny you said that about, um, you know, about cooking and, you know, all these insignificant things. I, I specifically remember writing uh, one of the first pieces I wrote after my diagnosis was, I have never been so thankful to do my family's laundry. I hate laundry. <laughs> right. Laundry right. is not, like laundry is not my spiritual gift. I hate laundry. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I remember that first load and I, you know, it's like, I just wanted to smell it and touch it and just, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a freak smelling socks over here, but I'm so thankful because I was able to do that simple task. And so I, I think, you ask anyone, you know, yourself with cancer or, um, you know, in any, anyone, particularly a lot of the women in my community, you ask them how life is, how their perspective has changed after their hard story. Um, and they'll, they'll tell you, I'm, I'm so grateful, you know, for life. I'm so grateful for the small things. I'm grateful for the delicious soup that we had for dinner last night. I'm grateful for the ice cream, the local ice cream store that we had, you know, on the weekend. I'm grateful to sleep in on Saturday mornings. You know, I mean, just small, small right things. Um, and it, it really does give you a perspective that, uh, that I think most people search their entire lives for, you know, that contentment in the mundane, um, and the, you know, the, the, um, pleasure in just live the ability to live life and the knowledge that like the breath that you just took in was given to you by God. That's an incredible supernatural yeah. gift. You know, and so when you walk through a hard story, your perspective changes. So you don't take those things for granted. And that, you know, um, I think myself and, you know, the women in my community, we, we live with gratitude because we are, we are thankful for the small things and the big things. We just, we know that God's moving and that is something to always be thankful for. Right. Well, and I think, like you said, contentment in the mundane, you know, we complain so much just at, at, on a whole of just, oh, this is boring, or this is, you know, you're, even right now with, you know, everybody's over the COVID stuff, and, and I get it, I, I totally understand it, but at the same time, it's like when you have that different perspective, you're, you're grateful for any moment, whether it's exciting or just mundane, but just to be, just to yeah. be around your family, be, you know, involved in your community, just any action that you know, would have prevented you from being there. And now that you're there is, is something to be thankful for. So sure. I wanted to quickly ask you before we leave, because obviously we are still, I don't see this um, COVID limitations and pandemic wrapping up anytime specifically soon, but has it added to your health concerns with these past few months? I know your son is back to school. Mm -hmm. um, how does that affect you in your health? Um, you know, moving forward? Yeah. Is it, is it a higher concern for you or how are you dealing with that? Yeah. Thanks so much for asking that. 
Um, it for me personally, I don't have any issues with my lungs now. Um, there, you know, for for many of my uh, friends that have vascular Ehlers-Danlos, um, there is a risk for uh, lung collapse or you know a lung perforation of any type of kind. I mean, lung lung issues are common. Um, I don't have that on my medical chart. So for me, you know, I, I don't have any compromised lung issues. So that is something that my doctors are not too concerned about. On the flip side of that, um, anything that causes coughing um, in any shape or form is not, um, it's, it can be sort of risky for patients with vascular Ehlers-Danlos because coughing can cause ruptures. Um, so, you know, case in point, when I get bronchitis, um, I will always have little bruises because I've just coughed so much that something internally, it's, it's small, a small blood vessel, but it's ruptured. And so my doctor uh, prescribes me a constant uh, cough medicine just in case I get a cough. She's like, I don't want you coughing. Um, so those are the types of things that we're concerned about. And I think, you know, for sure there are a lot of unknowns with COVID that they're still trying to research, you know, and, and that quite frankly, there are a lot of unknowns about vascular Ehlers-Danlos. So, you know, there are fabulous doctors working on research for it. Um, but, you know, as, as they learn more about COVID, they're trying to pair that with the risks for the vascular EDS community. And um, the people at the Ehlers-Danlos Foundation and the Marfan Foundation are doing fabulous work to kind of keep us equipped and, and prep for that. So to, to summarize your question, uh, am I cautious about it? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm careful. Um, but I'm not letting it, um, you know, not letting it, letting that fear, you know, rule my life. So, you know, we're, we're careful mm -hmm. and I avoid huge public spaces, but, um, but you know, we're, I'm, I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm not afraid of it. So thanks for asking that. Though. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for sharing your story. Oh my gosh, you just are truly inspirational. It has just been an honor to have you on the show today. Um, I just, I love everything that you had to say. I love having women share a perspective um, different than what a lot of people face on a daily basis. And I think it's always good to, um, to share because it helps people we had talked about before we even started recording, it kind of helps you appreciate the day-to-day -day and what we all really should be grateful for, but just naturally can take advantage of because, you know, until we have something traumatic, um, you don't really know. It's, it's just a different feeling. And I love how you kept saying that it's your um, experience was so hard to articulate because it really is when, you're, when your perspective and your relationship with your faith grows and changes, it's so hard to put into words. Even when you see God moving and you can feel it, it it's it's not an easy, it's not like a one sentence to just describe that. So, um, so I really appreciate it. So thank you so much for sharing. You're more than welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to always chat about anything with anybody. So thank you so much for having me on, Amy. Well, that's it for us today. Next week, we're gonna be talking with author Jess Herberger. Jessica is not only going to share her amazing bread recipe, but we're also going to be talking about a few practical things that people are facing during this holiday season, including both grief and joy. So I look forward to having you meet me back here next week. In the meantime, don't forget to live your life on purpose. Have a wonderful weekend and God bless.